0: When you think about business competition, where are you focused? Your town? Your state? Across the country? You need to be concerned with competitors around the world. Welcome to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. Today, you'll hear about the mega trends in global business and how they affect your organization, as well as explore issues, solutions, and some amazing facts about business worldwide. Now, here is your host, Mahesh Joshi.
1: Welcome to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. Today's topic is Facebook Libra. Paul is our host for the episode. He is an adjunct professor of entrepreneurship at Northeastern University and University of California at Berkeley. He is a successful entrepreneur and has sold three companies and taken a company public. He is the CEO of Startup Strategies, where he works with startups in their go-to-market strategies and with large companies on their innovation initiatives. Over to Paul. Hello, listeners. Uh, this is your host Paul Singh, sitting in for Mahesh Joshi. And as you know, this season we started talking. In the last episode, we talked a lot about uh, blockchain, and we focused a lot of blockchain on the business side. And I think. Uh, as I mentioned to you, that that's kind of going to be our focus. But I think there is something really interesting happening in the industry. So we thought we'll divert a little bit and address this more current topic of Facebook Libra. So I looked around to see, you know, people who have, um, you know, a lot of people have various opinions, but I thought, why not go to people who have sort of been working in this area for a fairly long time and, you know, have uh, been trying to reinvent some of the news and other things. So, uh, so I got two entrepreneurs who are our guests today. Uh, they are the founders of a company called Sapien Network and they uh, did their ICO a while ago and they have been building some really interesting product in the blockchain area um, using Ethereum as their um, currency. Uh, and so these two young folks uh, graduated from um, UC Berkeley not too long ago, and which is probably what it takes for these technologies for people to be really good at. Uh, so I'm going to welcome uh, Robert and Ankit uh, to our podcast, and uh, they'll... You know, give their opening remarks, and then we'll go deep dive in and uh, understand a little bit about Facebook Libra and what does it mean. Robert and Ankit,
2: awesome! Thank you, RP, for having us today. Um, you know, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. So, yeah, my name is Ankit. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Sapien, a Web three social network built on the Ethereum blockchain, and uh, we have Rob here as well.
3: Yeah, thanks for having us on. Rob here, co-founder and CPO at Sapien. So I know that,
1: um, you know, you guys have um, obviously been watching this very closely, and uh, it wouldn't surprise me if you've already read all the technical documentation that the white paper so-called that was put up by uh, Facebook. Uh, So before we go more into it, maybe, you know, uh, I think everybody's kind of wondering, some people have different kind of information on what is Libra? So, what do you understand Libra to be?
2: Yeah, so um, you know, from a high level, Libra, um, you know, what they propose is a new kind of digital currency built on blockchain technology. Uh, their mission is to create a simple global currency and a financial infrastructure that empowers billions of people. So, the way that they're doing this is they're launching the Libra currency through the Libra Association, and it plans it's going to be based on the Libra blockchain, a new technology that they're building. Um, And I think it's one of, uh, you know, Facebook's sort of leading the efforts in this field with an attempt to bring financial inclusion to a lot of people. So this is probably one of the first major efforts by, you know, a traditional company to bring on uh, digital currency that, you know, many, many users will have access to. So, you know, this is huge for the space and, you know, I'm excited
1: to sort of dive into the
2: details. Um,
1: yeah. But, uh, is it fair to say that, uh, you know, we, we touched a little bit in the last episodes about permissioned and open, um, you know, blockchain and, you know, the blockchain folks would like everything to be open, but this becomes like a permissioned blockchain network, isn't it? <laughs>
2: Yeah, exactly. So they're not exactly launching a permissionless blockchain. So it'll be basically a consortium created by the association. So the companies that they bring on initially, they'll basically be responsible for validating, um, you know, the Libra chain and um, approving or you know denying transactions. So it'll be controlled by uh, currently twenty-seven companies in the association. And I think they have plans to expand it to 100 before they launch in mid-2020. Um, but being uh, permissioned is one of the first like, qualities uh, you know, of, of the uh, Libra chain. And um, you know, along with that comes a different consensus protocol. Um, you know, they're basing it on uh, Byzantine fault tolerance, which means that for them, they only need two-thirds of the validators to approve blocks to validate anything on-chain. Right. So this compared to, you know, other currencies like Bitcoin and Ethereum, they operate in a little bit more permissionless way where, you know, there can be anyone can be a validator who's mining on chain. So instead, it's like closed out to a, a set of uh, set of companies. So that's a big difference there. Uh,
1: so, uh, so, Robert, uh, maybe you can uh, dive a little bit more into what uh, Ankit was just mentioning. And, you know, again, many of our listeners may know a lot about, uh, you know, Ethereum, and Bitcoin and blockchain and other things, while others may not. So can you, um, you know, talk a little bit about um, how the Libra is going to work? How is it really different than what the uh, current, you know, Ethereum is what I think you guys are based on? So how, how is that going to be very different?
3: Yeah. So first off, I think it's important to understand how Libra diverges technically from Ethereum. So in the Libra white paper, they say that the Libra blockchain is a single data structure that records the history of transactions and states over time, as opposed to Ethereum where there are a series of blocks that record transaction data. So this sort of fundamentally changes how the the system behaves and arguably makes it something else other than a blockchain. Uh, How so? Because it is this single data structure rather than a series of blocks secured by proof of work, for example. So, yeah, it behaves sort of different in that regard.
1: But, I mean, if I'm an end user, do I really care?
3: So, yeah, that's an important thing to consider. I think most end users really may not appreciate this difference and it may not mean much to them. But somewhere where the difference in structure may matter to the end consumers is in the decentralization or centralization of Libra. I think, so Libra is governed by an association and they really initially will have all of the authority in the system. They state that they plan to decentralize, but I think it'll be pretty difficult to achieve that from where they're starting.
2: Mm-hmm. Um
1: I mean, I think they they talked about that they've created a separate company, right um, what is it Colibra or something that um, is going to be managing whole um, you know it, it's not going to be Facebook per se is, is that yeah. Right?
2: Yeah, it's definitely, uh, their, you know, their strategy, you know, they don't want to associate with Facebook just because, you know, the controversy that's surrounding the company right now you know, with regards to data privacy and cybersecurity. Um, but for them, you know, Calibra is the subsidiary that's basically uh, responsible for a lot of the development of the Libra blockchain and wallet uh, that they plan to integrate into WhatsApp and messenger. And um, the Libra association is actually a nonprofit That's established in Geneva, Switzerland, and that's actually the association that's going to be responsible for managing the blockchain, the reserve, um, and being the validators um, in the beginning. So these were the companies that had to put in, I think, $10 million, uh, you know, sort of initial funding to start the project. And, um, you know, they're the companies that will sort of, I guess, get the most benefits if, uh, you know, Libra succeeds.
1: Well, it's kind of interesting that they chose Switzerland. I thought most uh, U.S. companies always prefer Denmark. So is, is there any reason why Switzerland was chosen, you think?
2: Yeah, and, and the paper, they claim that, you know, just because it's been so neutral as a country, um, you know, throughout, throughout history and, and I guess like world wars. So it just makes a lot of sense for them to, um, you know, start up there. It's also a lot of people were pointing out that there's not as much oversight uh, over there. So you know they'll face a little bit less friction when they're trying to uh, scale up their technology and their company. So, what's that?
1: But I would imagine that uh, you know with the mistrust of Facebook's uh, privacy policies that is going around, with you know every politician kind of trying to earn some bonus point by opposing whatever Facebook does, that this is going to get a lot of scrutiny this time, is it?
2: Yeah, I'm definitely, you know, you're already seeing some um, legislators get up in arms uh, about Libra. I think one of the prominent ones was um, Representative uh, Maxine Waters. Uh, She's a Democratic representative in California. So she sort of, you know, called out immediately that there needs to be a moratorium on Libra development, right? And she was pointing out that, hey, there's an ongoing investigation going on by the FTC into some of these privacy violations that happened in the you know near past, so how are you just sort of letting this company go ahead and um, you know start uh, you know developing their own uh, crypto with not much oversight? so I think yeah. it's already a concern that's being brought up, and I think it's just it's, it could be a pretty tough road ahead of them so
1: yeah, but I mean that's that's kind of more uh, you know politicians just uh, you know want some way to really use the mic to be in front, but frankly, I don't, I mean, I don't see any reason or at least government having any way to stop development of anything. I mean, I hope not. Uh, You know, that's not good for anything for any of us in the tech industry. If government starts to dictate what I can and cannot develop and which is probably one reason why they went to Switzerland as Probably a country where they're headquartered, and there is no reason for them to develop it in the U.S. They can go uh, transfer their employees to Switzerland. So that's probably not that. Difficult. I think,
3: really, with something of this scale, though, we do need to pay close attention to how it may impact governments and really uh, put some close scrutiny on the potential impacts here.
1: No, I, I mean, I think I agree with you that the government needs to put some scrutiny. Question is. Is it for government to put the scrutiny? Is it for someone like an SEC or, you know, because at the end of the day, it's yet another cryptocurrency, right? I mean, it's like Ripple came in. So what's wrong with Libra?
2: Right, right. I think, I think one of the biggest concerns in, you know, in this regard is just the scale and magnitude to which uh, these, this Libra association will have uh, power and control over this currency right the fact that it's so deeply going to be integrated in all their products that would give these companies like an unfair advantage unfair competitive advantage uh, when it comes to business right so you know while you know we all do support innovation i guess the bigger question is that you know at what point you know do people start accusing you know these associations of being monopolies right in like an oligarchy of powerful big tech companies that you know are pushing their own agendas so you know these this, these are the sort of concerns that are you know, rising now with Libra that didn't necessarily exist before with like XRP, uh, Ripple, and uh, some of the other
3: cryptocurrencies because and backed by... Especially uh, with such a big group of users with several billion users and uh, a currency just gives them so much leverage in dealing with governments and pushing their agenda, really. So, you know, um, we're getting
1: ready to tra- take a break, but what I'd, I'd like to, you know, Talk a little bit after the break as to who those partners are. And also, you know, if you think about it, every IEEE standard was built by a consortium of few big players at the end of the day. So why is this really different? Why should this be so much more noise? I understand Facebook is powerful and everything. But if a consortium of 12 to 14 or 20 or 30 companies is coming together to do it, I don't know. What is the harm? I don't see it. So I want you guys to think about it when we come back um, after the break and we're going to talk a little bit more about that. We're going to talk a little bit more about their partners and uh, what is going on. Um, So I'll be back um, soon and uh, we'll uh, see you after the break.
4: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
5: For the past two years... Global Business with Mahesh Joshi has been a top-rated program on the Voice America Business Channel. Now, with its popularity growing, he has converted many of the concepts discussed on the show into an easy-to-read book from Oxford University Press, one of the top publishers in the world. Place your order for the book, Global Business, at mkjgb.com. Act now, and as a special offer, you'll receive a signed copy of the book by the author, Mahesh Joshi. Order today at mkjgb.com.
0: This is Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. To reach the program, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's worldwide access to 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to maheshjoshi.82 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program.
1: All right. Uh, We are back. Uh, for the second uh, part of this podcast. And we're talking to uh, two of the uh, co-founders of Sapien Network. Um, and I will learn a little bit more about that. So these two young folks, uh, um, uh, both Ankit and uh, Robert, um, are uh, graduates of uh, UC Berkeley. And, uh, you know, pioneering a lot of work in the use of uh, blockchain uh, for social uh, news. And so maybe before we uh, jump right into the conversation, we we're going to have, uh, maybe you guys can take about a minute to uh, tell our listeners uh, in terms of what does your company do?
2: Sure. Uh, so Sapien is a Web3 tokenized social network that wants to reward users for quality contributions and put users back in control of their data. Uh, so we're leveraging uh, Ethereum technology to create uh, social from the ground up, uh, reinvented for the user. So this is a very exciting proposition. Um, we already have uh, you know, tons of users on our platform, and um, you know, we're planning to continue to uh, research social and figure out the best way um, uh, to deliver social in this Web3 ecosystem. That's uh, uh, our company, Sapien.
1: So how, how does um, how does any of our reader who is interested in sort of learning more about you guys, where where do they go? Is it sapien.network or what is it?
2: Yeah, so you can find us on our website, www.sapien.network. And we have a live beta that you can sign up for, beta.sapien.network, uh, where you can jump on now and start earning uh, SPN for your quality contributions. And joining uh, some of our vibrant communities
1: on the platform. Sapien is S-A-P-I-E-N, correct? Yep. Okay. So let's. Uh, so we we are talking um, in this episode about Libra, Facebook Libra, which is uh, you know talked about everywhere, and uh, we learned a little bit about what Libra is. It's kind of the new cryptocurrency being uh, promoted by Facebook uh, in conjunction with. You said 27 partners today and probably 100 over the time period. And um, so let, let's start kind of, you know, tell me who are their partners and why would, what is the vested interest of these partners?
2: Sure. So, uh, yeah, to start, I think the Lib- Libro Association, their goal was to have a diverse set of businesses, uh, both for profit and nonprofit, joining them in this mission. So they reached out um, and assembled a team um, of founding members across uh, various verticals. So you have some payment companies like MasterCard, Stripe, Visa, Uh, you have Telecommunications, Vodafone. some blockchain companies like Coinbase. Um, You see some VCs getting involved like Andres and Horowitz. Uh, And so it's it's a fairly diverse association that they tried to put together. And you can see that each is sort of at, you know, bring value either through their technology or user base uh, to the association, and all these again have the
1: common sort of mission to uh, you know push forward Libra.
3: And um,
1: so, um, you know, if I'm a payment company, I really don't care about Libra, right? I would rather Libra not succeed because it's only going to reduce the payment I get from uh, you know from all the transactions that I participate in today because that's a large part of my revenue. So why are payment companies interested?
2: Yeah, I think personally, I think it's a hedging strategy uh, for many of these companies like uh, PayPal, Visa, MasterCard. I mean, when's the last time you saw Visa and MasterCard sort of come together on the same partnership? I think that's uh, pretty profound as to what uh, the sort of overarching goal of this uh, project is. So I think, um, you know, it definitely is going to affect, you know, PayPal's business model, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but if Libra succeeds, uh, sorry, what was that? Has
1: PayPal joined this too?
2: Yeah, PayPal has joined this as well. So that's, you know, I find that very interesting because Libra essentially wants to uh, reduce any friction whatsoever. Uh, between transferring funds and even in PayPal right now, there's there's a fee to transfer across borders if you're sending money internationally. So this sort of uh, if Libra succeeds, you know, PayPal needs to adapt, uh, either by integrating Libra or another uh, equivalent crypto, or uh, you know they're going to be threatened as a business. So that's uh, interesting. So
1: is, it, is it like a hedging strategy? You think uh, for all the payment companies? I mean, you know, in their own uh Sort of ways, they really don't want this to succeed, but it's kind of a hedge they have to make, or maybe they feel like they have to participate to make sure that this doesn't succeed.
2: Yeah, could be, could be uh, either. I mean, the, I, I don't know if they're going to, you know, contribute ten million dollars and 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 not put a, I guess,
1: sincere effort towards uh, progressing it. Um, ten million is like, you know, drop in the ocean for these guys, right? I mean, they probably spend that on one large meeting. So big deal. I mean, I right, right. that's going to stop them. Yeah. I mean, it could just be to be a part of their meetings and, and just have a hundred million. Them. I would, I would accept from you. <laughs> yeah, will yeah. be the difference, but 10 million is like drop in the bucket for these guys. So I don't think anything is going to happen on that 10 million.
2: Right. Right. And I think, I think something like Libra for it to succeed, you actually do need a lot of these companies involved and it can't really be done by just one entity. Now, other things that are sort of mentioned in their white papers, like creating an identity system uh, on the on Uber blockchain. Right? so like creating an identity system. It can't just exist with just one company, right? So for them and this currency to succeed, like having many players and many applications getting involved, uh, that's sort of the best chance of success. And that's why you see some other companies like Uber getting involved, right? Uber also wants to end, uh, 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 what is it, um, Spotify, Right. These are, you know, consumer companies that are getting involved with 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 uh, Libra. And, you know, they also sort of have their uh, benefits, uh, you know, essentially they're going to accept Libra for payments. Right. And that's going to help accelerate the adoption of the technology. So, um, you know, it it makes sense for a lot of people.
1: So Um, when you mention they're going to build an identity system, I mean, you know, Facebook apparently has an identity system, which is where we all as users gave up our identity to them and they've been misusing it. So you think we're gonna trust as, as users, people are gonna trust them for building yet another identity system?
3: I think that's definitely a big concern and it's potentially a significant avenue for them to misuse their power there by tying Facebook identities into Libra and abusing the data that Libra supplies in the forms of uh, financial transactions. Hmm.
1: You know, one thing I would have expected Facebook to take the high road and say, you know, we're going after people who are unbanked and uh, we're going to bring them the new, you know, virtues of the new currency and everything. And therefore they'll never need a bank in the first place because this is the only thing they would have known. But I haven't, seen them take that high road a whole lot. The focus seems to be on people in the developed countries where there is already no dearth of banking.
3: So it definitely does seem like they have focused some on, on these unbanked third world people, but uh, there are still a lot of concerns about what exactly this will provide for those people. There are currently a lot of existing alternatives in terms of mobile payment solutions Mm -hmm. and something like Libra will still need third parties to come together for the last mile for these people and able to, for them to be able to convert their Libra into a local currency. So it's useful to them.
2: Mm -hmm. Right. And and part of this just to add on to what Rob said, um, Facebook needs to reach out to a lot of local banks and convince them to start supporting Libra. for their customers so by them you know sort of having to reach out that's like one of the only ways to get into some of these developing countries right so it's not i don't think they want to take the sort of you know uh financial and regulatory like challenge of coming in and claiming that hey we're a new bank start using us because Mm -hmm. that was like an immediate threat to many of these countries i think instead they're trying to work within the existing infrastructure and try providing value, uh, you know, through that by mm. augmenting that. So,
1: you know. So, why are telecom companies part of this? Uh, what have they got to gain?
2: Mm. I think it's you know it has to do with uh, obviously like communications of um, some sort. I don't know, Rob. What do you what do you think? So,
3: I think uh, Libra potentially provides an expanded market reach to these companies by enabling people in third world countries to have a consistent way to pay for their mobile subscription there, for mm-hmm. example.
2: Right, right. Like cheaper, um, you know, phones, for example, right? And, and, and then just paying for your service, you could do that with Libra or if somehow you need to partner with one of these uh, telecommunications companies to actually send your Libra, uh, it would need to be, uh, you know, with their consent, right? Like, if Vodafone was to integrate this uh, into their into their network, then it needs to be, um, you know, handled like that. Like, it can't just be done uh, on top. So, so you know, some of the developing uh, countries have a lot cheaper phones. You know, they don't have like,
3: you know, mm-hmm.
2: uh, you know really highly spec phones. So, um, maybe to do something more at a native level. So, I think that makes makes sense.
1: Yeah. But isn't uh, M-Pesa basically? was sort of, if not created by a telecom company, but was kind of promoted by a telecom company in a big way in in the African countries because they sort of become the prepaid uh, equivalent of a prepaid currency in a lot of ways, right? So maybe that's, you know, some of those telecom companies kind of act as payment companies, if you might.
2: Right, right. Yeah, I mean, they inevitably start getting more and more market share and then, you know, start about, like evolving into different verticals. So I wouldn't be surprised. And, you know, they're sort of just thinking ahead of what's needed for some of these countries to really come online with Libra.
1: Okay, so we are coming to, um, you know, a break again. And I want to come back and talk a little bit about the impact this will have on the existing uh, blockchain market when we come back. Um, so we'll be back, um, in a quick, uh, after taking a quick break.
4: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America.
5: For the past two years, Global Business with Mahesh Joshi has been a top-rated program on the Voice America Business Channel. Now, with its popularity growing, he has converted many of the concepts discussed on the show into an easy-to-read book from Oxford University Press, one of the top publishers in the world. Place your order for the book, Global Business, at mkjgb.com. Act now, and as a special offer, you'll receive a signed copy of the book by the author, Mahesh Joshi. Order today at MKJGB.com.
0: This is Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. To reach the program, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's worldwide access to 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to Joshi.82 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program.
1: Well, we're back, um, and uh, we've been talking today with uh, two entrepreneurs in the blockchain uh, industry uh, and Robert uh, and uh, we have been talking about Facebook Libra today and what does it mean so in the first part we talked a little bit about uh, what Libra is in the consortium and how there are uh, different companies that are involved in this effort all the way from uh, various payment companies and telecom companies and others um, now you know, Libra is not the first um, cryptocurrency in the market there's already uh you know bitcoin the very famous uh, one that everybody knows about and then ethereum that every developer in this industry knows about and then there are a lot of the other private efforts such as ripple and stuff uh so i think we're going to uh, get their opinion on what do they think um does it mean uh, it's the end of Ethereum if um, Facebook succeeds? Because you know they got over two billion users.
2: Yeah, so I think this is the probably one of the more controversial segments we're entering. And now I think uh, you know just across the space when the Libra paper came out last Tuesday, you know, you heard uproars from both sides, right? It was very sort of you know on one side, you know, let's let's consider some of the pros, right? This was one of the strongest validations for this industry uh, from traditional companies that before this, it was essentially Coinbase uh, was responsible for most of the onboarding of new users into the Web3 ecosystem. And now with uh, Libra and this association, you see some of the world's most powerful companies coming together to launch a cryptocurrency. And I think that, you know, in that respect, I think it's one of the most like revolutionary things that are happening right now right? It's one of the strongest sort of signals that, you know, crypto is here to stay and that, you know, there's going to be a lot more innovation and interest and capital sort of flowing into this field. I think that is sort of, you know, from the positive side, that's the first thing that, you know, sort of struck me. Now, you know, the negative side, like true crypto heads, as you know, Rob sort of mentioned, Libra isn't really a blockchain. It's basically, uh, know, one sort of uh, currency controlled by uh, centralized entities and their sort of interests will be reflected both in the technology and the execution of this project. So, you know, that's something that obviously a lot of people were worried about and, and concerned that, you know, a company with these many sort of powerful players, what are they sort of going to do, right? What sort of capabilities will they have Will they be able to censor transactions on chain? Will they be able to censor people's, um, you know, essentially their bank accounts? Right. So that was, uh, you know, immediate concern that came up.
1: But But they will also stabilize, right? I mean, one of the uh, criticism of, uh, you know, Bitcoin has been the, because there is no asset to back it up per se, that the value keeps on fluctuating in a big way. And uh, I guess this will bring stability to that uh, cryptocurrency though.
2: Right, right. So, I mean, it, this isn't the first stable coin that was launched either, right? I think um, you know, MakerDAO, they launched the DAI token on the Ethereum chain, and that's roughly pegged to a dollar. And it's like mathematically provable that you know, its value is always approaching a approaching dollar. I think like, that is a much more decentralized approach to making a stable currency. Uh, instead of, you know, relying on this reserve that's sort of uh, backing a token, I personally don't know like what exactly the implications of doing so would do, uh, you know, to, to the token. So, um, you know, it's just something that I guess everyone should be approaching with caution as to having, having a currency backed by reserve. I'm, you know, it, it doesn't really, I mean, it should give you a sense of security that, hey, like my, my Libra uh, token or coin or whatever, it can always be traded in for something that uh, it represents. So in this case, it'll be some asset in the reserve mm-hmm. controlled by Libra. But um, you know, when it comes to comes to money and you know why sort of Bitcoin uh, has been working so well, is that you know you don't really need uh, that sort of backing for people to start using it. Right? This is the case with all fiat currencies. You know, U.S. U.S. dollar used to be backed by gold, and then in 1971 they you know, went off the gold standard and they did this because they wanted more sort of economic growth and, um, uh, and, and, you know, they didn't want to mine gold every time that they wanted to, uh, you know, mint a new U S dollar. So I think this was like huge for our economy. It was, it was, it, you know, got us out of our, our economic slump and, um, you know, it, it allowed us to innovate and, uh, you know, a lot faster. So I think, I think when it comes to money, And I don't know, Rob, you might have (laughs) differing or same opinion, but you don't necessarily need something to be backed. Uh, You can sort of um, rely on the collective faith and and the value system of people. You know, if enough people believe that something's money, then it's money, right? There isn't, you know, anything more than that. So this this Libra is just a different approach. I mean, it's been tried historically, um, but, you know, the tech is obviously new. So let's see where it goes. (laughs)
3: in the the day to day lives of your average consumer, having a stable value is obviously very important when you're trying to receive payments or make purchases. But I think there's some concern over how the Libro Association will manage the reserve and how they'll maintain the value that's mm-hmm. sort of unclear at this point.
1: I think a lot of it is to do with the you know it's to do with the perception right. If I am a user and uh, these 27 to 50 powerful companies are backing it, I'm likely to really put my trust in more in that. You know, again, this is from a user perspective. I'm not talking, I'm sure there are a lot of purists who will not like this statement. Uh, But, you know, from a user perspective, they get a lot more confidence in that than, uh, you know, the Bitcoin, which really doesn't have anybody who is backing it and it's a peer-to-peer effort in some sense. Um, And yes, I know that it has really some great advantages and I think it has shown the path to Facebook in a way uh, to come up with it. So the question is, you know, where does it go from here? Like, you know, if Libra does succeed, um, does it mean the end of, you know, Ethereum and Bitcoin and all the other efforts that are going around, Um, just like it happened in the social networks that, you know, all the, you know, Facebook as a kind of a closed uh, social network succeeded while all the others, a little bit more open efforts that were started don't exist anymore. I'm just curious what, what you guys think.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I think to some extent, you know, Libra's adoption will eat away at the market share of some of these other cryptocurrencies. That's inevitable. I mean, there's a limited amount of capital and, you know, if, you know, right now, uh, you know, major- majority of the market, is controlled by Bitcoin. Um, so I think the market shares will diminish. However, like as a technology, you know, it's very, very difficult to sort of kill Bitcoin right? Just because of how decentralized it is, you know, how mining rigs are basically set up all around the world and anyone there is sort of functioning as a validator to Bitcoin, right? So if a lot of people start, you know, leaving the Bitcoin ecosystem, uh, you know, then it'll also become cheaper to, uh, mine, uh, Bitcoin, right? So it's sort of the way that their incentives are structured is that more people will start mining Bitcoin and, um, you know, starting to sort of accrue some of that wealth. So, I think firstly, I think it's not going to be the end of uh, you know Bitcoin. I think as a you know store of value, it does an excellent job. Uh, whereas Libra, you know, potentially could be much better for merchants and people that are looking to transact in a, on a more day to day basis. Um, so, it might just be different use cases uh, for the two.
1: So. It's kind of interesting. I, you know, I I just um, looking at the Bitcoin chart. And uh, amazingly, since the time this got announced, it's been going up.
2: So oh yeah, huge, huge for the industry, super bullish, you know, for a lot of people. Um, you know, I personally think that, and a lot of people think that, you know, the fact that, you know, Libra is gonna associate, you know, uh, introduce wallets to more than two billion people. I think it's probably one of the biggest, sort of assistance to, to transition into, uh, you know, decentralized store of, uh, of wealth, right? So it's not, you know, it, it could be Libra's like the sort of gateway, uh, gateway cryptocurrency to Bitcoin and Ether and some of these other uh, technologies, right? So there's, again, no sort of uh, guarantee that, you know, Libra is
1: going to succeed in the future, but again,
2: you know, sort of who knows there. You
0: know.
1: It's kind of interesting. You're saying that you know, in some sense, uh, Facebook uh, is coming in, which is good for the industry because it will introduce the new concept. But the thing is, if if Facebook indeed succeeds with Libra, I'm not sure what it does to the other currencies because, uh, you know, it will probably impact them only negatively after a while. I mean, you know, not that they are big today, but, you know, at the same time, there is, you know, as Facebook uh, makes it popular, I don't understand why and how people would want to go away from it and then try other currencies. What- I think
3: the, so the permissionless versus permissioned aspect is a really important one. I think with things like Bitcoin and Ethereum, you can be sure that no one individual party is, can really manipulate or fully control the market. I think with something like Libra, it's much more inc- uncertain how that all plays out. Since the, the Libra Association has such a, a large power in determining how it will evolve.
1: So that basically tells me it's, it's basically the regulators. How regulators play is going to make a difference because we as end users really don't seem to care so long as we get our way in, you know, whether we are being controlled by a monopoly or not. Uh, but anyway, I want to uh, come and revisit that after the break. Uh, so we'll we'll take a quick break and we'll be back and then, um, you know, wrap it up. Thank you.
4: For the
5: past two years, Global Business with Mahesh Joshi has been a top-rated program on the Voice America Business Channel. Now, with its popularity growing, he has converted many of the concepts discussed on the show into an easy-to-read book from Oxford University Press, one of the top publishers in the world. Place your order for the book, Global Business, at mkjgb.com. Act now, and as a special offer, you'll receive a signed copy of the book by the author, Mahesh Joshi. Order today at MKJGB.com.
0: This is Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. To reach the program, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's worldwide access to 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to Joshi.82 at gmail.com. Now back to the program.
1: All right, we're back uh, for the last uh, section of this podcast. And uh, we are talking today about Facebook Libra uh, with the two entrepreneurs, uh, Robert and Ankit, um, who have been telling us more about what Libra is and um, you know how Libra plays into the market. And we were discussing before the break how uh, you know Libra can end up be both good and bad for the ecosystem. Good in the sense that it will create a new awareness of these currencies and bad, obviously new competition is in the market. And if people go exclusively in that direction, uh, it will be really difficult for the current uh, crop of uh, folks to uh, deal with that onslaught as the market continues to grow because uh, all the companies that are involved in this are very, very uh, large enterprises with lots and lots of money behind them. and so we were talking about how can this all be uh, controlled and how does this impact the ecosystem? Um, so Robert and uh, Ankit, uh, take it away. What uh, what are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, so, you know, personally, you know, when it comes to a company like Facebook, I think they've been accused of everything from data privacy violations to social engineering to uh, campaign interference. So I think... A lot of trust is required for, you know, the same sort of network to be launching a fair and transparent cryptocurrency for the masses. So I think an endeavor like this would definitely benefit from, you know, some more regulars looking at their intentions uh, when it comes to both, you know, executing Libra Association and what their role will be moving forward right past, you know, 2019. Right, looking five years into the future, how are they sort of positioning themselves? So I think it's important that you know we start asking the right questions, you know, around, around this area. Um, and when it comes to decentralization, um, you just want to be careful that it doesn't devolve into a cartel that's just serving their own interests. I think just you know putting a little bit more scrutiny on on this would be would be critical. Um, and lastly, I guess you know, my last point would just be that it's just a phenomenal effort right, that's being undertaken. And I think that, you know, yes, we can agree that it, it is the currency just being backed by big tech. But again, it's just a huge step forward in legitimizing and, and accelerating the Web3 ecosystem. So you know, I think um,
1: you know, it has its pros and cons there. It looks like you guys uh, want to dance and cry at the same time.
2: Yeah, Yeah, it's definitely a love-hate relationship. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: But I think uh, the the part, uh, you know, what I'm hearing in your voice is uh, a cry for help at the same time from the uh, industry in general, right? Uh, From the regulators in general, not just regulators in the US, but regulators everywhere, since uh, this is going to be, a really major, major effort Mm -hmm. that uh, can give the power in the hands of 20 companies so much more than is there today. And moreover, if the currency part of it goes in their hands, I would imagine that that will actually be a lot more upsetting to the various uh, financial regulators in all these countries as well. I mean, I I would imagine rather than the traditional regulators who come in and criticize facebook from data privacy this one should be really the financial regulators who should be more worried isn't it
2: yeah absolutely absolutely and their you know track record hasn't you know exactly been stellar right if we were you know talking about a company that sort of valued privacy a lot more uh, and it was one of the reasons why we started sapien right mm. we felt that a lot of these companies were just not you know, respecting user privacy and, you know, the amount of data exploitation that was happening was just, uh, you know, ridiculous. So we, we're we just hoping that, you know, the next steps sort of with Libra are an effort to sort of regain trust with users, right? Because that's, you know, something that's been lost over the years. Hmm.
1: So Robert, any, uh, any thoughts from you uh, before we kind of do a wrap-up of uh, the conversation? So I would like to... there any thoughts? Sure.
3: So I think along what Anke was saying, we definitely do need some more regulatory scrutiny in this space, but I don't think it can just be financial regulators looking at it because these technologies, they do interact with user data. So they also have to be regulated from that perspective. And ultimately we have to look at the incentives that the businesses have for getting involved with something like Libra. I think uh, looking back, if we had a clear idea of what Facebook's incentives were, we would have perhaps been able to prevent some of the election interference and the epidemic of fake news. So I think that's just something to keep in mind.
1: Well, I mean, their incentive is clear, right? It's, it's how do I grow my revenue? The, that's all there is. And because they were getting new ads and therefore the revenue continued to grow. Uh, Now, the question really, you know, I mean, I know your call to regulators is an interesting one, uh, but most of the time our regulators have failed us, uh, unless and until there is a grassroots movement uh, that comes opposing the viewpoint of, you know, the companies that obviously are very deep pocketed and there are a lot of, uh, uh, you know, people in their you know, political leanings who are going to say what they want to say. So my question is, is there a movement, uh, happening within this, you know, nascent industry to organize itself and make sure that, uh, you know, you go ahead and educate, uh, the regulators and make them start thinking about it even more aggressively than they are.
2: Right, right. Now there's definitely an effort across different companies to, you know, sort of, uh, reach out for regulatory clarity right I think this space desperately needs it and you can see companies like uh, kick are um, sort of in the in the uh, in the storm right now with uh, trying to figure out their way right they were sort of dealing with the case with the SEC um, and they made it very public so I think um, you know a lot of the crypto companies are trying to still figure it out and I think regulatory clarity would help um, but it not it just it just can't come from us right there needs to be Uh, sort of details and things figured out across countries, right? Otherwise you launch a crypto and, you know, immediately it's a, it's a borderless sort of um, technology. So it starts to, you know, uh, enter different markets. So like something like Libra, uh, how would it, you know, enter like sanctioned countries like Iran, for example, right? Like these, these are the sort of questions and, and things that need to be figured out soon because, you know, right now the technology is just going so much faster than the regulation. So I think, uh, you know, it's something to just put a little bit more scrutiny on. So, no, but
1: also, I think it's um, what you're really saying is that, you know, it's not just the U.S. regulator. It's, mm. uh, it's kind of almost like the global regulators have to get together to say, hey, we got to do our jobs collectively because, you know, the power of these hundred large corporations is kind of trying to change the balance. And if we don't do something now, um, it will be too late. Right, right, and this is this is where um, you know Facebook's
2: co-founder uh, Chris Hughes, he recently called uh, Libra, and to quote him, he called it frightening, right, and that it would shift power from mm. central banks to corporations. Mm. so I think you know that sort of sentiment is uh, probably what's captured in um, you know, by a lot of these uh, the, the crypto people, the the decentralized you know uh, enthusiasts, the people that want to see blockchain as legitimate technology. That's something they're really concerned about.
1: Now. Excellent. With that, uh, we're going to come to a close and thank you very much to both of you and really appreciate your time. And uh, we'll be back uh, next week with a different episode. Thanks for listening in.
0: listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. We hope you'll tune in for another edition of the program next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a good week.